tonight we're going to talk about preparing to answer the call, and uh, this is not some. This is really something I was wanting to do a little closer to the vision conference, but was not able to do that due to different things like Easter uh, and what have you getting in the way, um, which was not a bad thing. So uh, this will kind of keep us tracking with where we were back in our in our vision conference. Our theme verse was based out of First Thessalonians chapter five. In uh, verse 21, it says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also... Well, not 21, verse uh, 20, 27. Uh, no, where's it at? Um, yes, 24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. i got to memorize, but I was wanting to get the reference. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. So we've been talking about the call of God. And, um, you know, sometimes people wonder about that. And I want to talk about preparing to answer the call and just kind of get real practical tonight. And even if this, even if you're here tonight and you're like, well, Brian, this does not apply to me, it really does apply to you. What I'm going to talk about applies to all of us in some way, shape, or form. Now, it may not be because you're specifically called to be a missionary or something like that, but, but really there's things that, you, as you look at this, it'll challenge you. And I want you to just turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 for just a moment. Romans chapter 1. I'll address this from the Word of God. Because I remember when I was a young young Christian, I was praying about, uh, you know, the call of God and and what all that's about. And many of you are familiar with the call to be saved, right? The call of salvation is uh, every, God is calling all men everywhere to repent. Uh, first, uh, or Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he wants all men everywhere to get saved. Uh, but also beyond that, once you get saved, we're called to service. And a lot of Christians are like, oh, I'm not called to that. I'm not called to this. Well, all Christians are called. You know, salvation, one of the things we just simply like to say is you're called to salvation, sanctification, and glorification. And that is absolutely true. You can find that outline in the book of Romans. We're all called to salvation. And once you get saved, you're called, even though positionally you're sanctified, it's a process of us working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so we're called to sanctification in a practical way as we get to Romans chapter 12 and we, uh, you know, give our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we grow in sanctification. And then uh, ultimately, though, it's for God's ultimate glory. And also, someday we will be glorified, right? So uh, that's we're, we're going to be called up. Literally, we'll hear the trumpet and get called out of here pretty quick. Or we're going to die. Either way, we're going to go to heaven. And uh, we will be with God in glory. And so the time to, to really work on that today is now and be prepared for that. All right, so in Romans chapter 1, Paul gives us address to the Romans, the saints uh, there that he's addressing. He says in verse 1, Paul, as servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So he's called to be an apostle. And we always look at missionaries and pastors and different, like, you know, professionals, so to speak, ministers as called. And uh, and so as you read the introduction to Romans 1, you might kind of see that as, yeah, Paul's called, of course. But what, what's really interesting is we're all called. And as he goes on down through here, um, he says down here in verse uh, in verse six, um, um, he says, "Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? Do all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, right? Set apart. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." And then he kind of gets into the epistle in earnest. So there he deals with all the saints being called. We're the called of God, and we're we're called. Um, and so if you wonder if you're called, you know, I, I remember David Cundiff used to ask that, you know, details. About, what is the calling and how do you know about that? Well, the call comes from God's word. I mean, God speaks to us through his word. If anyone calls you on the phone, 
What do they do? They use their words and they talk to you and they say, hey, Bob, what's up? Hey, Pat, you know, hey, Rex. We use words to talk to people. We call them up on the phones. God does the same thing. He rings our bell and he wants to talk to us. And so every day in the word of God, when you open up your Bible, God's calling and he wants to talk to you, right? We talk to God. How do we talk to God? Prayer, right? That's simple. And how's God talk to us? His word, right? Um, I like that new song uh, that uh, Casting Crowns has out about um, uh, the book of second opinion. We need to close the book. Have you, have you heard that song? We're checking out. It's time to close the book on second opinion. And uh, and uh, any one of the lyrics in there is that uh, is that uh, you don't know if it's uh, your heartburn or your heart, you know. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people get all confused about how God's talking to them. And, they, you know, is that really God talking or is it your heartburn talking? Well, you'll not know unless you're in the Word of God. The Word of God is what's really going to direct us and, 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 and get us where we need to go. So we went through this vision conference, and we had several weeks of Randy. We had four sessions as a whole of Randy talking about owning the mission, Pastor Randy. And I was just talking with, uh, just yesterday, with Luke Fleshman about that, some of those topics from that session. It's good sessions on owning the mission. And then we had uh, several sessions on IGO, right, on praying for the lost, and then, of course, the practical aspects of going out and being intentional about the gospel. We're all called to own the mission. We're all called to be intentional about our gospel outreach. And uh, and it could be, too, that you, this session, I hope, will be helpful for somebody listening. And even if it's not, you can pray for people that are in this situation. Uh, and you can look and find people in, in the situation in which we're getting ready to talk about, which is those preparing to answer the call. Now, this is something I know... Uh, and I wanted to I wanted to do this sometime last year, and it just never worked out on the calendar, and it never worked out really during vision conference, just to get a group of people in our church that would say, you know, Brian, I don't know exactly if I'm called or not, but I want to answer the call. And whatever that means, being a pastor or a missionary, uh, whatever it is, I know that God's calling me, but maybe I'm too shy to like come forward at an altar call, or I haven't made that appointment yet to come talk because I'm just not really sure, or I got things in my life. I don't know about y'all, and everyone's different. Um, you know, I knew a long time before I was willing to verbalize uh, out loud that I was called. I mean, called to serve. And I started preparing my life really from the moment I was saved. But once I got, I remember like having this discussion. The first time I kind of went really public was with my wife, Amy. So we had these pre marriage discussions about, you know, Amy, what if God calls me to be a pastor someday or a missionary? Will you still follow me? So this is all pre-marriage stuff, you know. And she's like, yes, Brian, I'll follow you. You know, and I'm like, okay. And then, like, we're married, you know, six months or something. And I'm just really feeling this, you know, pressure in my heart about it. And I'm like, honey, are, are you are you sure, like, you still would follow me? Because <laughs> now she's married me, like, she knows me. <laughs> and she's like... <laughs> Yes, honey, I will follow you. I can tell you this. Uh, I was just sharing this with someone the other day. I was after HBI. I think it was me and your wife were visiting. And uh, one of the hardest things about being a man in a, in a marriage is when your wife submits to you. I mean, it is, there are so many times I would be like, it'd be easier if she just wouldn't submit, right? Because now I could blame her if it goes wrong. But when your wife submits to you, you're like, oh man, now the burden's on me. And, uh, and uh, that is directly related to my story as, as well as when God was calling me. I, I knew I was called into the, 
uh, you know, to pastor. It was in, it was actually, I was in shepherd school, which is very, uh, it's, it's the mirror image of what we're doing here with HBI. And, and we had this pastor's meeting. And, and I don't know, if Bob, they did this when you were in. They probably did. Pat, I'm sure they did it when you were in. I don't know, Jeff, if they did it when you were in, but they sat us around like our senior year and they read our little bios and what we were called, what we said we were called to do. And I'd written pastor, you know, I did not enter my education process until I was convinced God was calling me. So I was 24 years old and then I entered into HBI. A lot of my friends got into H, or HBI, into shepherd school because they just, it was kind of the next thing on the list. I kind of, I kind of stutter stepped a little bit because I didn't want to enter because I was really convinced like, once I get done, after those four years, I'm gone because I really felt that way. And it, to my chagrin, I wasn't gone immediately. So I was like, then after that, I was like, oh, man, I hope deferred makes the heart sick. So at any rate, um, so going through that process, finally a door opened, and we went to Greenville, Pennsylvania, candidated, and the church was willing, I mean, not willing, they offered me to come, they wanted me to come as the associate slash senior. <laughs> and so uh, I was in a straight between two uh, because... I could go as the associate, which was what they initially had called me for. But after I got there, people wanted to remove the senior pastor who had been there 20 years and wanted me to come as the senior pastor, which was kind of crazy. And uh, and I had counsel saying, if you go, go as a senior pastor. Don't go as the associate. Too much is going on. You need to be in charge. All this kind of stuff. And I just was like, you can imagine, I had no peace about that because that was just, cause I felt like I was causing problems. I wasn't coming to, you know, split churches. So... So I was just all in turbulence and uh, praying about it, earnestly fasting, praying. Lord, what's the next step in this call? You know, I'm all trained, I'm ready to go, but this just, even though the door, God opened the door without a doubt, I just had no peace about taking that next step. And am I going to be disobedient? Are you going to put me on the shelf? Am I supposed to go into this situation by faith? And I had all these questions swirling and I was praying about it. And, I, and, uh, and Amy, man, I tell you, that was one of the worst times for her to submit. And so then I'm just like, Amy, you know, what do you think? She's like, honey, I'll do whatever God tells you to do. <laughs> I was just like, dang, I want you to say no. And so uh, so uh, anyway, so I had to work that out on my own with the Lord. And, of course, she submitted. She was glad when I did. I did. I, God really confirmed it in the word that I, he wasn't calling me to split churches. Uh, God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. It was interestingly enough through that process that, that God revealed to me the concept Actually, it came to my mind, maybe you should consider planning a church because one of the, the divisive things about me showing up in this particular location was my commitment to discipleship, some of the zeal that I had, some of my Midwestern relaxed attitude that I didn't realize I had was very attractive to some and very repulsive to others. So it polarized the church immediately. And uh, I was like, man, if I go up there, you know, one thing, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. So I, if I go up there, I'm gonna. There's gonna be a church split. I'm probably gonna not want to do that. Then I'll probably be off on my own anyway, and resign. And I'll be planting a church somewhere. And do I really want to plant a church in this community? Not really. I mean, if I was gonna go out there and plant a church, where would I go? And I'm like, well, I'd go to Pittsburgh. And then I thought, man, I wonder what a church would be like—a church plant in Pittsburgh. That was the first thought I had about planting a church was going to Pittsburgh. No other thoughts about planting a church other than that. I'm like, well, if I went out there I'd, and I was going to plant a church, I'd go to Pittsburgh. I wouldn't go to some small town, you know, between Erie, Pennsylvania and, and Pittsburgh. I'd go to Pittsburgh. I'd go to a major city. And uh, that was the first thought I had. And it wasn't long after that uh, that this opened up. 
and it was a Bible study, and they just said, go down there and take that Bible study for a while until God shows you what to do. <laughs> and then, of course, one thing to another, and I became a church planner. Uh, but I never really saw myself as a church planner. I saw myself as someone that would come in, work with the senior pastor, which is what Greenville was offering, and then I would learn the ropes probably, and then I'd become a senior pastor someday. And so uh, things don't always work out the way you think they're going to work out, but it goes the way God wants it to work. And so um, I say all that to just to say is that, you, you know, you can imagine all kinds of different things, but at the core, at the end of the day, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. The bottom line is you just got to prepare, right? You got to prepare yourself. And if you know in your heart that God is calling you to, to what we'll say, do more, right? And it's not like you're a second-class citizen if you're not a church planner or a missionary, but maybe you're thinking, maybe that's the direction I need to go. And even if you don't go that far, you don't go that path, God kind of redirects your steps, the things that I want to look at tonight will just help you be a better Christian, a more consecrated, sanctified Christian. So when you get to glory, man, you'll be in good shape. So with that, I want to just talk to you about uh, you know, what we're talking about tonight, preparing to answer the call, and just basics like the ABCs, the nuts and bolts of getting from point A to point B, and we have a whole, and I need to advertise this, we have, I left it in my office, we have a whole missions, missionary pathway. Like if you're really serious, get with Pastor Randy, we've got, we got a much more intense version of what I'm going to go through here tonight. Uh, this is just a sketch, just kind of some things for you to chew on, maybe some people out here listening online uh, and members of our church. And if you get something out of this too, it gives you a little framework that you can direct people uh, uh, practically that are, think that God is calling them. So if you have your outline, the first thing you need to do is just prepare your strategy. You personally have to have a strategy uh, to know what to do. And so if you want to get from here to there, it's the how to get from here to there, right? A strategy gets you there. So we, have, we do ministry strategies, right? So uh, when we do a ministry um, a, a event even, we'll have a little strategy so we can plan out how to get from point A to point B to point C. And some people think planning is faithless, but actually planning is a statement of faith. Planning is a statement of faith. So let me get, get here, and uh, you can see that. Planning is a, is a statement of faith. Hebrews 11, of course, you know the passage there. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by, for, um, uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder then that diligently seek him. So faith is announcing what God will do ahead of time, right? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So planning is not faithless. It's really faithful. Planning is trusting God for what his word says. Uh, I've learned that uh, over the years. A lot of people think I'm a planner. I kind of am, but um, it really, I just, I'm just, you just really, a lot of planning is reverse engineering, right? When you see God's will, you just kind of reverse engineer it. That's your plan so you can get where you need to go. It's not that complicated, right? So if you, you just got to kind of step out in progression how you're going to get to the end, right? That's what planning is. And you do that by faith because there's always variables and there's always going to change. So a lot of people are like, well, why plan if it's going to change? Well, we're not that rigid. We're not OCD. And so we have a plan to give us some, I call it lattice. Anytime you're going to grow uh, in Christ, you need some lattice, which means some framework, some structure to grow in. It's just like a child when you're teaching them to walk, right? You give them your fingers so they can grab on. You know, before they know it, they're walking without your fingers. But you got to give them some framework to, to work with, to start with. When they're starting off, it's a little bit more framework. You're almost holding them up so they can learn how to take their steps. 
Next thing you know, they're running. So then you got to change the structure a little bit, and you got to put padlocks on the doors, right? <laughs> and you got to keep them out of the cabinets. You got to keep them from climbing on stuff, right? So you got to have different structure, but the structure is always there to help people grow and go. All right. And so plan your your steps strategically uh, to prepare yourself for fulfilling your vision and becoming a missionary, right? If you're going to be a missionary or pastor, so be strategic about it. And this is a church where you can do that. Now planning. Uh, by the way, is praised in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Uh, God says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide or overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands of sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man." All right, so that's a uh, that's a great proverb. You know, as you hear the rain gently drizzling on the roof, you can just understand what it is to sleep <laughs> and uh, and sleep on. But God says, "Wait a minute, consider the ant, the sluggard. Um, you know, be wise. An ant has has plans, right? They, they're motivated, and as a matter of fact, they're self motivated, right? They're self starters. They don't need someone to prod them. They do what they're supposed to do." Uh, they have a purpose in gathering, right? They gather food for survival. They understand their seasons to gather food because they want to survive. They are establishing goals, right? They need food for both summer and winter. They need food for work. They need food for uh, times when they're down. They need, to, they need to take, it's just like in the Old Testament, right? You gathered your extra manna on Saturday or on uh, Friday, so you had it on Saturday, the Sabbath day, right? So there was a day when you gathered double, and, uh, but you're supposed to be gathering every day but the Sabbath day uh, for the day's food. So there was just a, there's wisdom in knowing uh, how to gather, when to gather. They, they were motivated. They had purpose. They established goals. They ordered their priorities, doing what was necessary rather than what they might prefer. Uh, and that's important. Uh, they understood objectives. That's a point of maturity as, as well uh, in, in human relationships and human development and uh, spiritual development. Uh, I discipled a fellow one time. He's doing. He's does. He's awesome now. He's mature uh, in every way. But we went through all the the discipleship materials and D two and man, it was just like there was problems. And just this just you know all the knowledge was there, but it was and charity wasn't lacking either. Great heart, great hearted fella. And it, and I realized great and called. And by the way, called had the burden, passion to be a pastor. Had a heart for of that, but dysfunctional. Ever met someone like that? What and God showed me is like, oh, I realized, you know, several years into this, this person is emotionally immature. They've never grown up emotionally. Um, and so uh, even though they have the right knowledge about the Bible, they've not yet applied it. So what in a biblical sense, what were they lacking? Not knowledge, they were lacking something else. Wisdom, right? wisdom how to apply what they knew they knew all the right answers but they when it came to emotional situations they didn't apply it and so they were just topsy-turvy because their emotions were leading them and that did have to do with trauma and all kinds of stuff and insecurities that they had which is not actually definitely not an excuse it's something they got to hey you got to grow up you got to be a man and or you're not going to be useful to god you've got to get wisdom on this or you're not going to be successful and eventually that did come to pass. And that guy, is very, I, won't, I don't want to say his name, but some of you know him and he's doing really well in the ministry and he's, do, he's fulfilling his call by God's grace. So just be, you know, you really do have to order your priorities. You've got to understand 
that uh, you got to do what God wants you to do rather than what you might prefer. You cannot allow your emotions to, to jerk you around. Um, these ants understood objectives, how to accomplish goals and satisfy their purpose, right? So they were motivated. They understood their purpose. They, they had established goals. They had ordered priorities, and they understood objectives and how to get uh, the purpose accomplished. And there was structure, right? They worked as a team. And so uh, if you ever watch ants, it's, it's, they're like a little army. And so uh, they're very order, orderly and organized. Okay, so that's just a little word on, just to kind of prepare your mind. I mean, you need to really think about it and have a, a strategy. If you're like, hey, man, God's called me, but you just don't do anything about it, right? Then you're not going to go anywhere. You're just not going anywhere. You're just going to be talking about it until Jesus comes, and you'll be 80 years old looking back going, man, I wish I'd answered the call, right? And you never did it because you never had a strategy for answering the call. Now, you go to a church here where we are serious about helping you get online if you're answering the call. So let's look at, at, the, at this. Number one, uh, the first thing you really want to do, and this will kind of test your, your real, it kind of tests you personally, at least it did me. When you start doing this, you know you're serious. Uh, and that's number one, inform your pastors. Inform your pastors. Oh, man, did you guys put this in Pro Presenter? Huh. I thought I had all those with. Why isn't that working? My animations aren't working. Huh? I don't know what you're saying. I can't hear you. Okay. So uh, number one is inform your pastors. Let them know. Uh, you want to do this, it needs to be uh, on their radar and you, need to, and you need their input so they can help steer your pathway as necessary. So if you don't aim at anything, guess what you're going to hit? Nothing. You're not going to hit it. So if you aim at something, you're, you're going to hit it every time, hopefully, uh, unless you're throwing axes. I tell you, I'd aim my best at Have you ever went axe throwing? It's got to be one of the... For me, it's a frustration. I mean... Every so often, man, I'll nail that thing, even get a bullseye, and then without fail, you know, I'm missing. I, I may hit the bullseye, but it's the back of the axe or whatever. You do pretty good, Bob, but you know who's really good at that? Steve Fleshman. He's like an ace. You don't want to mess with him in an axe. He's scary. But uh, anyway, uh, you want to hit the target, right? If you're going to hit the target, you need to aim at it. So you need to live basically on purpose, not, not trying to get into, uh, you know, Rick Warren's business there, the purpose-driven life. But there is some truth to that. I mean, you've got to have purpose. You've got to know what you're doing and why. You'll never be sent as a missionary by just random chance. We're not like going to just roll out through HBF one day and say, man, we need a missionary. Let me grab you. Vicki, you guys are going to the mission field. It's not going to happen like that. We're going to be looking for people, not that you guys wouldn't go to the mission field, but I'm just saying we're going to be looking for people that somewhere along the way raised their hand and said, hey, here am I, send me, right? Isaiah 6. So, uh, so uh, now th- it's going to be in conjunction with your past- pastor's approval. You're not going to be sent from a church unless the pastors lay hands on you, unless they have your consent. Now, that doesn't mean people don't go all the time. We call those went ones and not sent ones. You don't want to be a went one, right? You want to be a sent one. Uh, went ones end up usually having problems. Sent ones are, have the blessing of God upon them. And so you want to have you want to inform your pastors, and then secondly, you want to serve in as many different church ministries as possible. Now, this, I'm not gonna, this is not going to be like blow you away tonight type of information. It's just really practical. Serve in as many different uh, church ministries as possible. 
Uh, now, one at a time is great. That's a good way to do it, to gain valuable experience in each before you turn to lead and do. So I, I teach it like this uh, in three ways. I told them we didn't need the board tonight. We really don't. But you can write this down if you're taking notes. When it comes to ministry, and you'll probably pick this up along the way in other ministries as we teach, but we believe in three things. If you've been through How Disciple, you've heard this. You want to you 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 observe, right? You want to learn, participate, and lead. Now, those sound like four things, but I put observe and learn in the first one. So observe and learn, right? A lot of times when you get, like if you come over here to the children's ministry, uh, Mitch has it set up so you don't just come in and get thrown to the lions. First day you're in there, you're teaching. You're responsible for 30 kids and you're teaching. That's not how it works. Um, you're going to observe. You're probably going to watch Mitch or you're going to watch some other teacher that knows something about what they're doing and you're going to observe. If that's a, now, if that's a problem for you, you probably don't need to be in the ministry. I, I had that policy at City Union Mission. And so when Pat Lee came down the first time, I said, Pat, you just watch what's going on. And then it's like, hey, Pat, give your testimony. Hey, Pat, go ahead and preach, right? So there was a, there was a process. I had a guy one time that would not come and observe. He wouldn't come one time and observe. If I didn't invite him to preach, he wasn't coming. Well, then you're not invited. Because if you can't observe one time, I'm not inviting you, right? I just need you to come and watch what's going on. If you've got to have the preeminence and you're so important you've got to preach, well, hey, go somewhere else because that's not how it works in this ministry. And to my, the pastors of our church, I, to their credit, they gave me that kind of leadership initiative, even with guys with, that were big for their britches because one of these guys is a true story. He was kind of big for his britches, and I was like, that's just not how we do it here. And they didn't go around me on it. They, they backed me on the way I did it because I knew it didn't make him happy. But it was like, look, that's not fair to everybody else who's done this. And I'm just talking one week, right? I'm not going to hold this guy up forever. He can preach the word, good preacher. And, uh, but that wasn't the point. The point is, this is how we do it. We observe and we learn. We participate after that. And then the participation, of course, you have your senses exercised to discern good and evil. Eventually, you will lead. The cream will rise at the top. And so it's good to just involve yourself in ministry. And you think, oh, yeah, this ministry, that ministry... You know, if you want to teach uh, the Word in a foreign country, a great place to start is in the children's ministry, right? Because if you can teach children, you can teach adults, right? And there's a lot that you... I learned a lot in children's ministry. If you're like me and you come from a background where you weren't raised in church, I, I tell you what, the children's ministry was outstanding because it worked all these stories I'd never heard. I'm like, I think I told you this last week. I'm like, Zacchaeus? Who's Zacchaeus? Why is he in a tree? What story are we talking about? Why does Abraham have many sons? What is this talking about? You know, I'm just the little songs we would sing. I'm like, what is this talking about? You know, and so it helps you get in the word of God, figure out some things and at a level that uh, you can wrap your mind around the Bible in a very simple way. But also, of course, you're going to need to continue to grow. So observe and learn, participate and lead, get involved in ministries that are valuable to your experience. Now, some of you obviously might be way down the road and do all of that. Will continue to look for ministries to grow. Also, learn to replace yourself in whatever you're currently doing, so you can be free to move on to the new ministry assignment. Right? You're never going to be at, at liberty to move along if you don't have people coming up behind you. Before I came to Harrisonville, I had people replace me at City Union Mission. I had people replace me in my home team. I had people replace me in other on the circuit. Right? So you have other people coming up around you to replace you at all times. That doesn't mean necessarily you're going to vacate your position. But if I drop dead tonight of a heart attack, I got six other guys that can step up and finish that are at my level, right? Not to mention others that are coming up that could also do the job. And so that's what it's about. People say, well, you're deep on the bench. We should all be deep on the bench. That's the way God designs it. We should always be bringing people up around us. 
in case God calls us to go and do something else. And if you know God's going to call you to do something else, then even more importantly, to make sure you have some Timothys around you. And so nursery, uh, child, children, youth, young adults, mature adults, facilities, administration, prayer, teaching, yeah, changing the trash, mowing the lawn, I mean all of it. If you go plant a church, you're going to be doing all of it. If you become a missionary, you're going to be doing all of it. Uh, if you think it's going to be some sexy gig, like, hey, man, I'm going to be Pastor Brian on Sunday. I'm going to roll up in the pulpit. Ministry is going to be great. You absolutely have no idea what you're getting into. I promise you that. You better be able to, to work on the trash cans and better <laughs> mow the lawn and, and do whatever it takes. I mean, really. And, and so there's all kinds of ministry opportunities, and you should be involved in those things. Be available and be a blessing to your existing leaders. Volunteer to do what no one else wants to do. Right, that's a great way to learn how ministry works. Volunteer to do what no one else wants to do. And, uh, and so, and, man, that'll be a blessing to the church. It'll be a blessing to the leaders, but also will educate you on ministry. All right, so that's the second. Just serve in as many different ministries as possible. Uh, and that's always going to be a blessing to you and others. Pioneer a new ministry. That's an important thing to do as well. As you grow and get mature and the leadership trusts you, begin to pioneer new ministries because it's likely what you're going to be doing as a new missionary Again, I want to give credit to our sending church, Kansas City Baptist Temple. They let me do these things. So when I wanted to expand the ministry that I was over, which was City Union Mission, it was a, was a ministry. Now, I wasn't over City Union Mission. I, we had a ministry to City Union Mission. So just our little group, which was pretty substantial. Uh, we had like 20-some ministers you know, going out every, throughout the month preaching at the mission. We had over 21 spots at, just city, at the men's mission at one time. Plus, we had the Family Life Center. So I, had a, I was overseeing quite a bit. And, um, and then on top of that, I was, at, uh, I was over at Kansas City Rescue Mission pioneering new opportunities, investing there, trying to see if God would open a door and uh, being faithful to that pioneering activity. So I, was, I really appreciate the liberty I had, uh, but I didn't do anything without letting my leaders know. So pioneering is important, especially if you're going to be a, menace, uh, a uh, person that's going to be like a church planner or a, uh, or a uh, missionary. Try to start something new. And it doesn't have to be some crazy thing. It could be a Bible study. It could be, you know, a new ministry within the church. I'm not saying you have to always be outside the doors of the church, but going outside the doors is also good. Uh, can you break into a new people group, like in your own hometown, and reach someone there and disciple them? That's a great experience. Can you do that? Um, I mean, that's a, good, that's a good way of finding out, you know, if you can cross culture right within your own context. Can you continue to work the soil even when they don't respond? Or when you feel like you're beating your head against the wall. I've been there and bought that t-shirt. Well, you get involved in their lives, right? Are you just doing this from a pulpit? Or are you actually willing to come down and get involved in people's lives at a personal level? All of those things will, will work in your favor as you're learning to you know, answer the call and, and figuring out who God has saved you to be. So even if that means you're, you, you, know, you forfeit some normal life and some friendships and recreation, that's what happens. Your consecration level goes up as you get involved in ministry. Even the, by the way, even the fun ministries, the quote fun ministries, uh, even, that, even those things will, will cause you to really count the cost of ministry. And so pioneer some new ministries as well. I like to do that by nature. I love pioneering new stuff, whether it's overseas, whether it's, you know, just I just love to strike out and do stuff. So that's kind of, uh, I'm not, I, that's kind of a, you know, can be, if you just keep doing it, it's not so good. But but, uh, but it's, it's really awesome to trust God in those ways. But it's a lot of work. 
If you plan to plant a church or go as a missionary, you should participate in Bible studies and grow and lead a Bible study yourself. And so uh, I've actually, maybe next week I should get into that, uh, principles on how to start a Bible study, because I've got that, that too. So, uh, but, but those are things that you should do. Number four, let me pause there. Any questions thus far? All right, I'm going to keep moving for time's sake. Uh, take a missions trip or make, take, I'm sorry, mission trips on purpose, right? And I know a lot of us are doing that. And by the way, just because you're taking a mission trip, short or long term, does not mean, right, that you are um, going to be a missionary. So we're not saying that. But if you are planning that, if you know God's calling you to that, definitely get on some missions trips, plural. Uh, take short-term trips, one- or two-week trips. Uh, you know, what did you do on the trip and, and learn? What did, what did I do and what did I learn on that trip? Your HBI requirements, um, you need to know what your requirements are for graduation. Like if you're going to be an HBI, you've got to take a trip anyway. And so, you know, make it part of what you're doing in your education. Don't take too many short trips uh, like this because it won't help you. Um, new folks will do that. So if you're just, <clears throat> I mean, I'm talking about someone who's called to be a missionary. Um, you don't want to go on, you know, 10 short trips, although we need you on short, especially, but you want to, you want to graduate your trips and we'll be looking for you. So when we take on a project um, to teach leaders like we did in Arissa, so we're going to grab you and say, okay, look, you need to go on this trip and we need you to operate at a pastoral level because we got three levels of, of trips. You got those that a level one trip is like anybody can go on that service oriented. You don't even have to be through D1. Uh, we can take people on trips like that, sometimes out of the country, like to Juarez or down to, to Oaxaca, maybe if there's a service trip. Level two trip, you have to be through discipleship. You're probably going to teach the Bible at a teacher level, so we need you through at least D1 before you go on that trip. And then there's level three trips where we are really just take, you might, we can kind of combine them, but the, the thrust of that trip is we're looking for guys that are pastoral level teaching. You don't necessarily have to be a pastor, but you should be able to teach at a pastoral level. So when we go to, to, to places like uh, to teach at a Bible institute in a foreign country, uh, you need to definitely have an ability to teach at that level. And so, uh, so that's going to require you know an invitation type of thing. So if you're planning to be a missionary, uh, you need to do all of those trips, right? You need to do the service trips. You need to do the the, the, the kind of the middle level trips, you know, because you're working with teams and you're learning the ropes, you're getting accustomed to foreign culture. Uh, but before you, you kind of go off and strike it out on your own, you probably need to get on some, some of those more serious pastoral training level trips with us or we'll get you assigned a place to go and use you there. And then, uh, and then you need to work toward this next one, which is more of a medium term, a medium term trip, a two to three month type of trip. And we haven't had a lot of that uh, thus far. We have had some of this medium-term trips uh, where you go for two or three months at a time or take a summer and, and, uh, and hit the field. Pastor Randy did this and Julie when they went to Belarus, right? They spent several months right in the middle of, uh, you know, 9-11. I mean, terrible timing. It's perfect, though, for being learning the ropes of missionaries and trusting God. But they went over there. They were working with Mark Rose, and, and, uh, and they learned a lot there. And, of course, Randy was, you know, that's where he was focusing on. He was going to going to... Belarus or, or, you know, in that direction, and then God, uh, you know, turned the car on him and sent him to Zambia, right? And so, so God knows where he wants to send you, but you got to prepare. Uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren Stovall, uh, she, uh, she was in uh, Arissa for th three months. She had two short-term trips, and it really 
really did open up her understanding, or these, I should say, medium-term trips. She was there twice, started with a short-term trip, and then incrementally went up. So stay long enough to experience what daily life looks like as a missionary without hosting a team. Uh, Number one, it gets boring. Uh, If you don't know the language, it's completely maddening, uh, and you feel dependent. So there's a lot of experience that you'll get there. And use that trip to learn to meet people, to share the gospel. See if you can have any fruit. Start discipling them, and that'll give you a better idea if you're really even cut out for this life. Um, And so, uh, and then if you're really thinking, man, I, I think... I really believe God's continuing that. Your pastors are giving you the green light. Uh, well, then the next thing is what you might want to consider. Boom. Uh, work on a, in a ministry internship, right? You want to you want to you want to be an intern, and you can do that locally. <clears throat> uh, you don't have to just do it internationally. You can go through your local church at home under the direction and supervision of your pastors. Uh, learn what day-to-day ministry problems are and how to solve them, starting uh, your life here and now, uh, though you, as though you're on the field with all the details that it includes. I do believe that this is an area, uh, let me back up here, I'd like to grow in this area in the future before we send another church planner. Uh, I'd like to see them come in the office. I'd like to see, number one, we deputation and uh, get some fundraising going for them uh, before they go. Uh, and I'd like to see them have a little bit of time in the office with me uh, work going through the ropes. I don't know how long, a couple months even, just some time where they can really see behind the curtain and see what's going on. Six months would be great uh, so they could really get a taste of you know all the things that go on behind the scenes, the bookkeeping, the meetings, the planning, all the things that go on. I know we're established, but I could help translate that into what, you know, you can kind of, again, if you can see where you're going, you can back into where you need to start. Plus, there's all the tools available. So, uh, just a lot of things that, that go into those internships. So uh, I, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, you know, this is something I want to grow in. Also, there's other local churches that we partner with that would be happy uh, if we had an extended time of internship uh, to help them come. And if they had some training to do, they could see other works as well, not just this one, and spend some time learning before they go out. That would be an incredible opportunity. I'm up for that. I just got to have the people willing to go. And, uh, and invest. That's not going to happen, though, right, if you don't strategically plan your life to get there, right? If you, if you don't start somewhere, you're not going to get there. Again, I'm not just going to grab someone out of the crowd today and say, hey, I need you as an intern, right? So the things that you learn uh, there need to be uh, faithful men and women that, are, that we can trust with a lot of responsibility. So, um, so your, your local church is a great place to do that. Uh, and it's where you learn to solve day-to-day ministry problems, how to solve them, start living your life here and now, as though you're already doing the work in the field. If that field was, say you're going to plant a church in in uh, Butler, Missouri, right? So you get a little taste of what it's like before you go to Butler and and uh, scratch that out of the dirt. And, uh, and so uh, that would be a good thing. Or go to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these places I'd love to see a church plant. And so um, that's a great opportunity there. Uh, internationally as well. Uh, and so foreign inter- internships, uh, kind of a long term, like, uh, like you know, Romania, uh, India, Oaxaca, etc., working under national leadership uh, in a fruitful ministry. So here at HBF, we've done a little bit of all of those things. Um, we've had people spend a few months in Romania, people spend a few months in India, people spend, um, been invited to send people down to Oaxaca for a little longer period of time. Um, but that hasn't actually transpired yet. So we'll see. But uh, I know that um, 
our brother um, Joe Hendricksman would be up for that as well as now that's a great invitation because I tell you it, one of the things I wouldn't do to a missionary is send them someone to babysit right so if you think I'm going to burden a missionary with somebody you're crazy I would only send somebody who's super serious uh, that's why nobody knows about Joe's invitation because I'm like we don't have the person to I don't want to do that to him, <laughs> right? If we had someone really, you know, ready to help him, like be a support, not somebody he has to support, uh, then I would be open to that idea. So I'd be definitely open to, to sending somebody in that situation. All right, so test your perceived calling, skills, gifting, and ability in those situations. Again, I mentioned Randy and Julie. They were able to see how they would do with a foreign language in Belarus. Um, you know, Lauren had a lot of cultural uh, experiences in, in uh, India and learned a ton through that. And so um, going internationally will really help you. Number six, study the ministries of successful missionaries. Right, Those who have pioneered a new work, developed leadership, turned over responsibilities, and have seen continued fruit. Uh, that is your model as a missionary. Right? If you're called to be a missionary, um, if you're, you're going to be a church planner, similar thing, go where there's been success, learn what they've done good, both contemporary and historical, not just old school stuff, but the new stuff, read biographies, and, and uh, again, this is all strategic and will help you form a strategy for, of your own. And so uh, one of the things that God did in my life in, in regard to these things, as well as joining a missionary prayer team, right? We have a whole list of those. And uh, long before we had them here, we had them at uh, Kansas City Baptist Temple. So my first missionary prayer team I joined wasn't as the leader, but it was kind of a, a co-leader, and it was so good for me to learn. Under There was a gentleman named Mike Sidebottom. Any of you guys know Mike? Mike's a good man. And uh, I, I had uh, visited my buddy Mike Blake up in Monmouth, and they were just treading water, you know, literally financially. It was a tough time. They needed prayer support. And um, Mike uh, Sidebottom had also been, had taken a trip or two up there, and we were just talking about it, you know, about their situation and, and how kind of desperate it seemed at the time. And and uh, he raised his hand and says, we need to start a prayer team. He made an appointment with the pastors, and he went in and said, hey, I'd like to start a prayer team, for a prayer support team, actually, for Mike and Becky Blake. And uh, I remember going to the meetings, and, man, it was just, I had a front row seat because Mike was very wise, and he pulled me in uh, like a Timothy, and, he, and I was able to sit there and watch this whole thing develop for the, the, the Blake, uh, Mike Blake prayer support team. And so... Um, and so prayer support team. So I was able to watch one of the things that was really educational, um, in addition to the fact that I was actually in touch with the missionary, or the in this case, uh, the, the replanter, which was Mike Blake, uh, up close and personal, and was uh, you know, near all his struggles, was I was able to uh, watch how Mike handled it as a mature man with a family and a guy who, who's himself a missionary kid. And Man, I'll never forget some of the things that he taught me and taught our group about praying specifically for the people who we are praying for, right? If you ever have been on a prayer team, you will know that the person that you're praying for is going to send you a list of everybody else's needs, man. I need, Joe, Joe Hendrickson is going to tell you about the villages, and he's going to tell you about, uh, he's going to tell you about the Bibles, and he's going to tell you about the buildings, and he's going to tell you about uh, the souls and all those things are awesome. That's what he's there to do, and that's where his heart is. That's what he's going to share because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. But what's your job as a prayer team leader? Pray for them, right? Randy's teaching you all well. Jeremy's teaching you well. 
right? So our job is to pray for them. And man, Mike Sidebottom modeled that. And he really emphasized, of course, being a prayer, uh, a peak, uh, MK himself, his dad, Don Sidebottom and Phyllis Sidebottom in Ethiopia, he understood the struggles of a, of a pioneering couple. And man, we, when we had those prayer meetings, we prayed for Mike and Becky Blake and their children. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that we omitted praying for all the other needs, but he made sure that we were focused on Mike and Becky Blake and their needs. Our focus was on making sure they were spiritually healthy. You know what? There's something about that. Not everything you learn in a prayer team or a Bible study or a ministry is taught. Some of it's just caught, right? And that was very valuable for me because it really helped me understand the rigors of ministry, the need for praying for couples. So to this day, I, when I, today's Wednesday, World Missions Wednesday, so I'm praying. When I'm praying for the missionaries around the world, uh, I'm not just praying, oh God, bless all the... Full, the I mean, Pradeep Lima's doing a wonderful job in Arissa. I mean, you just, if you look at his updates, awesome. But you know what? I pray that him and Sumitra have an awesome marriage, right? That his kids are in order, and that everything is going good. Because if the devil can break up that family unit, he's going to stop the mission. And so those are things that you learn by getting on a prayer team with a mature leader, and you start to really understand how to, how, how to pray, right? That's going to help you later. It's going to help you also in the way you think about your own ministry if you're called because it's going to prepare you. And then after that, God will open the door. If you, you get on a prayer team, someday God might lead you to, to lead a prayer team, right? And so that was my next step. I went from being a part of a prayer team to then leading a prayer team. So for several years, I led uh, a prayer team for Doug Howie. So Doug Howie was a guy I discipled, and uh, it was my privilege and honor. And man, did we go through deep waters together through the prayer team. I mean, I learned a ton of things about ministry uh, by leading his prayer team. And things I, I'm not even going to repeat. But I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things. I got a good education leading that prayer team. And uh, it was really good for me. And so God will teach you a lot too when you lead a prayer team. All right? So uh, that's studying missionaries in a different way, right? Through prayer. So that's, it's important to be studying successful missionaries. And, uh, and then research needs to be around the world. If you're going to be a missionary, you need to be aware of what's going on around the world. <clears throat> you need to understand areas and people and needs and assess uh, uh, assess those things compared to your skills <coughs> and uh, and uh, and just uh, excuse me you need to be able to to know that you're looking for the right work that God will call you to do and so um, you know where is it that God's calling you to go in the book of Acts I'm not gonna for time's sake I don't want to turn there but in Acts chapter 13 um, you know, Paul is, is sent to the Gentiles, and, and he knew where he was going. They, he, was, he was sent out, I should say, and, and, he, and they, they laid hands. Man, thanks, bro. <clears throat> I didn't want to leave here. I need that. God used uh, Barnabas and... Uh, and man, all those at, at Antioch to send forth Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul. And uh, <clears throat> they went out and reached the Gentile world. And so, you know, research missions works that, go, that, have, that are global. Research people groups, people's needs. Um, and again, Randy, if you go through the, at this time, if you, get in, if you really are serious and you get a hold of Randy and you go in our mission, through our missionary pathway, Randy's going to give you reading assignments. He's going to task you 
with some of, this thing, some of these things in a more formal way. And he'll fit it for you personally, depending on what you're, what you're being called to do. But, but he, we're going to have resources. You're going to need to be a part of that. One of the things you can do just as part of your hobby, I still do this. I, I love stuff like this. So, I, you know, just open up Joshua Project on your, on your browser, right? And you start checking out the people groups. Uh, you can research a lot of this stuff online. When I first started the church, the Internet didn't have near as many resources as it does today. Um, and so just 20 years ago, you couldn't get as much stuff as you can get now. Now you can get online and get about anything you need. And so you can go to Joshua Project. Uh, you can also study uh, geopolitical tensions, you know, and so if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, a website that I, uh, you got to pay for this, but there's a, a, a website I like to get. It's a, prescrip- a subscription, not a prescription, a subscription called Stratford Report. And it's a bunch of CIA spooks that put out this uh, consulting website, <clears throat> but it's, it's a nonpartisan type thing. It's just data. It's not left or right. It just is. And so it's kind of boring, but it is the whole world. And you can literally zoom in on the world, get information. It's like the CIA fact book on what's going on today and what they project in regard to. It is, it is based from the United States, so it's usually dealing with the projection of, of U.S. power around the world and stuff like that. Another thing I like to study is the United Nations um, uh, the United Nations websites and uh, UNESCO in particular. UNESCO is going to be giving you, there's two of them. There's, you can look at UNESCO, which is the United Nations um, uh, social arm. And uh, wherever they're working is typically where we need to be working. Because uh, they do a lot of do-gooder projects. They're going to be putting in wells. They're going to be dealing with refugees. They're going to be dealing with all those things. Well, guess where, that's where we ought to be. There's also a religious arm, which is of the Antichrist. It's called Universal Peace Federation. It's tied directly to the United States, United Nations, I should say. And uh, I also like to study that because they are everywhere we are. So the, they do a lot of work in Nepal and Kathmandu, the same place as we are. And, of course, they got a completely different message, a different gospel. And so I look at those things and I kind of realize, okay, if, it's interesting. Like if I'm checking where I'm going or we're going or where we're involving ourselves and I get on the Universal Peace Federation Eight out of ten times, I'm going to find out. It just so happens that the, that the Universal Peace Federation reps are already working there, and so I know I'm, I know we're getting hot right then and there because uh, that is totally uh, our, our opposition spiritually. They are going to they are in essence the arm of the of the Antichrist religiously, and so um, it's uh, Reverend Moon uh, who passed away was the leader of that uh, Sun Yun Moon. And uh, and he partnered with the United Nations somehow, and they and and they, they are, you know, that along with Rome are part of this uh, Universal Peace Federation. So you can look all that stuff up. But those things are fascinating to me. They may not be to you. At the very minimum, you definitely should be studying Joshua Project. You should be looking at at uh, at, at different uh, people groups and studying those needs. All right. So that leaves me enough time. Let me pause there before we get into our second point. Any questions thus far? You guys tracking with me? Okay. Okay. Now, next thing you want to do is prepare your methodology, right? So what to do now, this is how to do it. So let's look at our methodology. Hey, thanks for turning on those those graphics, man. I feel better about it. All right, so prepare your methodology. Love the Bible, right? This is the most important thing. So you're preparing uh, your personal life. Generally, be, you know, become the person God can use. You've got to be the person God needs you to be before he can use you to do what he wants you to do. And you're setting a strat- strategic path before you right? Um, that's specific to your circumstances. Maybe you're going through college, you know, how you're going to fit your college to where you want to go, your career, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Now, now these are the most specific steps you can take to prepare yourself for a new assignment. Uh, now what we need to do is obey uh, what we need to do today and then move forward in their strategy. So how are we going to do that? Well, these are the things that you can do today on your own. You don't need anyone's approval for these, right? So these are things that you can do without coming and talking to your pastor. You're like, man, I am not ready to talk to the pastor yet. Believe me, I get it, right? I understand how that feels. I've been there and bought that T-shirt. It, 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 it may take you a few years to come out of the closet, so to speak, with your call. I get it. But you may know in your heart that this is really the direction I need to be preparing my life. So what can I do today, Brian? Okay, well, let me give you something practical. I told you this would be practical for all of us. Love your Bible, right? Get into the, into the Bible. Psalm 119, right? Make that your heart. Study the Word of God. Love the Word of God. Not just study the Word of God. Love the Word of God. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Invest in the Word of God. Invest in the Word of God. Um, another thing that's important here is to complete your education in this local New Testament church. You get into HBI. I mean, you got to get into HBI. Now, we have had cases uh, where, you know, some people have been through Bible college, and so we'll fit them specifically. Like David Pierce went through our missions course before he went out because uh, he already had a Bible education um, through uh, Tri-City. But, uh, but, you know, get with us, get on your HBI path, get educated, and uh, get what you need there. That's a four-year process right there. So, uh, you know, the clock, the clock starts ticking, and maybe right at the end of HBI you'll be sent, or maybe you'll be like me and have to delay about three or four years, but God will get you where you need to go. Just get on the track, get in your Bible, get your education biblically, and, uh, and start talking about it to everyone that will listen. You know, plan ahead for various evangelic uh, opposition and uh, prepare biblical um, uh, answers, right? So people that, that you're trying to win to Christ and, and uh, you know, you're kind of, I don't want to say sparring because you, you don't need to fight, but you're doing enough evangelism that you're running into some, some stuff. And you're like, wow, that, I hadn't thought about that. How am I going to answer this question? How do, you know, how do I handle a Buddhist, right? How do I, you know, in, in, be intentional, right? We, we're talking about being intentional about our gospel outreach, well, be intentional about witnessing to people that, that might be from a foreign background, from a different mindset. And you're like, well, how, how am I going to do that? I'm not in China. I'm not in, I'm not in India. Well, those people groups are right here in Kansas City. I think the number right now, 65,000 um, 65, uh, foreigners are living in Kansas City right now uh, from, from different people groups. Some of those are from unreached people groups. Come see me. I'll get you connected and directed. And you can start that now. Actually, matter of fact, Pat and I got an appointment coming up to go connect with some of those people. We're getting ready to take some some uh, lessons to some Afghan refugees um, for their children in uh, Urdu here in Kansas City. We're not ten- sending them to Afghanistan. We're sending them to Kansas City because I think there's, I don't remember the number, but there's several hundreds of uh, Afghani refugees right here. All right, or Afghan refugees. So you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're you know, you're, you're working uh, your life in a way that these things are being exercised. So these are the things that you can do today. Study your Bible. Talk to everybody you can. Learn how to, you know, to apply the Word of God uh, across culturally and uh, work with non, in a non-Christian culture as well, right? Sometimes we do a lot of work within Christian culture, church in the park, right? Things like that. Forget, you know, but learn how to, to branch out into a non-Christian culture. Uh, and so there's things that you can do. Get, something little, literally low-hanging fruit. Come to church. Come to Spark in the Park, right? 
see what it's like to take the gospel into not a hostile environment, unless you're unless you're Ganesh, but uh, I mean, but uh, but just go to an environment where not everybody's coming to go to church and try and share the gospel in that context. It will modify the way you do it. Right? Next thing you know, you're handing out fireworks, you're handing out food, you're doing different things, you're trying, you're singing the, all of the verses of the national anthem. I mean, you're doing everything you can <laughs> so, so that you can connect with people. You're sharing your testimonies, right? You're doing it in a way that you can connect to people who aren't churched, right? That's important. You need to do that kind of thing. If you're not willing and able to do that here, then are we going to send you around the world to do it? I don't think so. Right, so you got to do what's least before you do. My, you think if you can't go to Cass County here in the heart of Cass County and go to the park and talk to lost people, what makes you think you're going to go around the world and win that, some other people group to Christ that don't speak your language and don't understand your culture and you don't understand their culture? Right, you got to start right where you're at. Right, and so uh, so there's opportunities. Get involved in those things right here. Love the Word of God. Apply it right where you live, and then of course, uh, notice I started. I'm starting with loving the Bible and evangelizing, but then of course discipleship. But don't skip the evangelism, right? Because you're not a good discipler if you're not an evangelist, right? Good evangelism is good discipleship. Good discipleship is good evangelism. What are you going to do with these babies that get born? Or are you going to have to equip them? So make sure you're equipping them. we got a process for that. It's called discipleship. A large majority of our church, we've got, we got a lot of people that are prepared to, not just been through discipleship, but trained and on paper should be able to disciple other people also. And so make sure our lives are right with God, that we're able to invest in other people. And be consistent and uh, make sure discipleship is, is the heart, right? Uh, because that's the mission of God. When we talk about equipping the saints of God and the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God, in essence, we are talking about discipleship. And, and you've got to be able to make disciples. So everywhere you go, everything you do is always thinking about teaching others also in a way that you're reproducing fruit. Not just, not just getting your gospel guns loaded and... Right? You're actually nurturing. You're actually admonishing. You're actually growing people. You're taking people. You're going to the effort of taking people with you, right? And they're go- and they're learning with you. You're talking in the car. You're talking as you're doing ministry. You're growing people with you everywhere you go because you're about making disciples at every level, formally and informally. And you create a mindset of always replacing yourself in the ministry. Um, and I know, I know people can say, well, you don't have to replace yourself and all that. I get that. I'm, but I am saying we're here to make fruit so other people can go. If you're not replaced, then they can go. That's what I'm doing here at Heartland. I'm training up men and women, and I pray by God's grace they either replace me or they go somewhere and they accomplish the mission of God. Now, not everybody needs to go, but by God's grace some will because that's the mission of God. So there's always a need. There's always a job for somebody with that skill to make disciples and replace themselves. So have you have you had success in discipleship? Right? If you that's that's crazy if you think we're gonna send you somewhere to reproduce disciples and you haven't discipled anybody here. There's actually people that are like, Hey, I want to be a missionary. Great. But I don't want to you're not discipling anybody? You're not leading anybody to Christ? The first thing on your list, man, you need to get serious. You need to be desperate about that. That's who God needs you to be. Right? It's not about what you do. It's who you need to be. You need to be a disciple-making, evangelistic machine for Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you've got to have a thousand people following you, but you definitely need to have fruit and pray that God gives you fruit that remains. And you need to have some failure, by the way, too. You'll learn a lot. You'll probably learn more from the failures than you will from the successes, to be frank with you. But all of that's important because if you think you're going to go to a foreign culture like you know, Bates, Bates County and... Uh, 
then, and, and you're just, you're just going to plant a church and everything's just going to go smooth. You are crazy. You're going you're gonna to get your nose punched. I promise you that. You're going to be calling me going, what happened? <laughs> you know? And so that's going to be under the best circumstances. So you definitely need to be exercising right here in the safe zone before you go off and launch somewhere because it gets nasty out there. All right, so, uh, so anyway, so have you had success in discipleship? You know, and how many times have you had success? Right? Are you, what I'm saying is that you need to produce some fruit. Right? You, need to have, you need to have fruit in your life. Again, why would we send somebody somewhere else to produce fruit if they don't have any fruit here? All right? I want to go off and reproduce, but I've never reproduced here. That makes no sense at all. So you need to make sure you're producing fruit. We're not going to send you to do something somewhere else that you're not doing right here at HBF. All right, so uh, number three, uh, make friends with foreigners. Right where you live, right here in this town. I remember when uh, Richard and Mindy Cushing were here and we had a student come into, into town from the Philippines. The only person that in this town that I know of that could speak that, that dialect from the Philippines was Mindy Cushing. What a blessing, that! what a door opener that is, right? To be able to walk in and, and be the interface there with someone in your community. Um, and so, right, so you may love America and you may want to protect the border and all that, but listen to me. If it comes to the kingdom of God, you need to meet everybody where they're at with the gospel, period, right? You, you got to put the lid on what you feel about politics because your first and foremost job is to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. That's hard for a lot of us, especially in Cass County, right? But if you're going to be, I'm not, if you want to be serious about being a missionary, Right, you're going to have to set some things aside and make God's ministry the most important thing, and your mindset. So automatically, you're going to be at odds with a lot of your contemporaries. You're going to seem like some liberal loose loose gun, but it isn't because you you aren't conservative or whatever. It's just a matter that you understand that you know what, my priorities have shifted. I've got to get the gospel where it needs to go. I'll let God deal with all the other political drama, but my job is to get people saved. So, uh, you know, that's the bottom line. That's kind of a crazy example, but it's really not too far-fetched. Make sure that uh, you're doing it right here with, with those that are uh, foreigners right here in the Kansas City area. Take the initiative. Involve yourself in their world. Learn how they live. Start making them a priority in your schedule. You know, that's what David Pierce did. The next thing you know, he's planting a church in KCK. He just jumped on the bandwagon and started doing all this right here in Kansas City. The world was, you know, if we don't go to the world, God brings the world to us. And what are we going to do? You know, put up our four walls and hide, or are we going to go out and win them to Christ? And so, by God's grace, we're going to go win them. Uh, so practical uh, personal evangelism, of course, and being intentional regularly. It just starts right there, getting on, getting on a, an I-go team, right? Being First of all, being ready in season, out of season, being ready to share the gospel. Uh, but also, I mean, I would encourage everybody, get on an I-go team. Uh, if, you're, if you really feel God's calling you to be a missionary, well, then get on an I-go team. Start praying for lost people so you can disciple some people, so you can, you can see the fruit that we're talking about. But also, you need to eventually lead a team. Lead an I-go team or implement the I-go team principles into your ministry that God's put you in uh, charge of. And participate in, uh, you know, we've had Friends of International opportunities here, in, uh, here from, through Andrew Ong for years. Man, it would be awesome to just take a... It's so you take a Fordham student in your house for three months, or it's probably like more like two months, and the only job you have is to just take them through the summer and go where that you go, bring them to church, take them to family shindigs, take them on vacation. Just they just shadow you. You just take you just have them in your house. Every year they're needing people to do that, 
through Friends of Internationals. It's actually a, a different program. It's not exactly friends. It's not necessarily college students. They're usually like high school students from foreign countries. So it's a different program. Always available. Um, man, it's a great opportunity. Any of us could do it. I'm a little convicted about it as I talk about it. I mean, any of us could do that. We just got to make room in our life to do it. But if you're going to be a, you know, that's what, one of the things that like uh, uh, James Fife did before he went to Pakistan, it was, was uh, having Muslims live with them, students, Muslim students come and live in their house. And boy, that was a, that was a lesson because they don't view women the same way and they don't view Rosie the same way, you know? And so they, they had some learning curves to go through to, to assimilate and to, and also to set boundaries and to, you know, like, hey, my wife's not a doormat. This is America. So, you know, I had to go through all those things and, and, uh, and, and, and deal with all those things. So hosting uh, foreign exchange students and things like that is important. Another thing you can do is engage in things like Casey uh, Refuge um, and the, the Sending Project, and I got information on all that, and I, I would help you with all that if you were interested. Randy could help you as well. All right, so there's things to do right here to get in touch with foreigners, and uh, we know how to do that. All right, and then this is really practical. This'll, this might help all of us right now, is to lear- learn to live simpler, right? Live simpler. Uh, learn to live without stuff. I love what Greg Kodrowski said. You know, if you ever, back when Greg was a missionary to Costa Rica, he'd say, well, I got all my trash. I got to move my trash. Everything, all of his worldly possessions, he always referred to as trash. And if you know Greg, he's kind of a in-your-face kind of fellow. But I love the way he was so blunt about his earthly possessions. He just, you know, he made a mental note that all my earthly possessions are trash. You know, he does count them but dung. And so he was like, I got to move my trash. We're moving next week. I got to move my trash. Got all my trash on the, got to figure out how to get my trash moved, you know, and all that. That was always what he called his stuff. So he just mentally, you know, he minimized the value. When he talked about his possessions, he minimized the value called him trash. Why? Because he was keeping himself loose. He understood that, man, if I'm going to serve Christ, I can't be encumbered with the affairs of this life. He's got to be all in. And so, uh, so you got to live simpler, minimalistically, you know, uh, get, a whole, get rid of some things, adjust to your new surroundings, declutter your life from things and things that, that preoccupy your mind and don't get attached to them. Um, it, you got to do that. I can never, I'll never forget when Harold Hatman uh, sold everything on his driveway, I mean, in his house. Uh, how many of you were here for that? Anybody? So a few of you were here. You remember that, when he had his auction and just sold everything? Oh, my goodness. It was, it was overwhelming. I mean, I was just like, man, it was sobering, you know, uh, to see a guy take everything and just auction it all off and go to Brazil. You know, uh, there's something to be said for that. I mean, that is walking by faith. And, uh, and that's what you've got to do. If you're not willing to do that, well, you're not, willing, you're not going to be a missionary. And uh, those aren't easy things to do, but they've got to be done. And, and also what that does is it, help you, it helps you cut back on your first world problems, uh, at least so you don't have to consider them as much, right? And, and as they arise, you just learn to start dealing with stuff as well, with all your problems. Uh, because, <clears throat> you know, you just got to learn that when things go wrong, you can't freak out about it. you got to give up your rights. Because when you get to a foreign field, um, you can't seek justice. You are going to get rolled. You're going to get hosed. I'm not saying you can't. You're, you're going to have to figure out a way. But you can't get offended about everything when you're wronged. you just gotta, you just got to take it. And you got to figure out how to navigate it. right? So you just, you gotta, you got to get your life simple. you got to be ready for disappointments. you got to be you know, willing for difficulties. You know, all of those things are part of it. 
I'm not trying to run anyone off, but these are just, you know, you got to simplify your life because you can't do all that with all this other baggage. You'll get bogged down. You got to be able to keep it light and keep moving. All right, so uh, simpler life. I had one other thing on that, but I forgot what it was. It fell out of my head. All right, fifth thing is eliminate <clears throat> uh, recreational activities and hobbies. What? Yeah. You know, quit investing time in things that don't matter. You know, I'm sorry you like to play PlayStation all night long. Get rid of it. You don't need, you don't need time for that. If that's the way you're going to live your life, you ain't cut out for this. you got to grow up, man. Put away childish things and uh, get to the business of, at hand. Use your time to invest in people. I use my PlayStation to invest in people. Okay, whatever. I'm not saying you... I mean, if you can use it, but I'm saying you don't have time anymore to just sit around for hours and waste time. you got to stay on, biz, on business. Eliminate recreational activities and hobbies that suck your time. That naturally happens as you get in the ministry, even before you become a missionary. Uh, so learn to laugh at yourself. That's important too. You know, don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, if embarrassed, just let it go. Laugh. Have a sense of humor. It goes a long way. Don't take yourself too seriously, or you will never learn a foreign language. I'm not going to say who, but I would talk to a fella from a foreign country. I was at lunch with him one day, and I was asking about some missionaries I knew, and he was like, oh, man, this missionary, is uh, he's having a hard time with the language, brother. His wife is doing great. Oh, really? The husband's brilliant. Wife's, she's not known to be a scholar. How come she's doing so good and he's not? Oh, easy. Because she's willing to make mistakes. Right? She's not too she's willing to make mistakes. She's a little looser. She's she'll laugh about it. She'll correct her language. She interacts with the natives. They'll so her language actually was more usable and more marketable, so to speak, in a foreign sense, than the her husband who who was much brighter than her intellectually. Why? Because he could not make a mistake. Too precise. Right? You got you gotta have a little bit of you got to be a little loose, man. You can't take yourself too seriously. You're going to have problems. You got to be willing to laugh at yourself a little bit, and uh, and realize that you, you're not all that in a bag of chips. And and uh, it'll be very important when you do. Cry. If you can't laugh when, when you go to a foreign country and someone calls you fat and p- pats you on the belly, uh, you're going to have problems. <laughs> you're fat. I remember one guy. I won't say who, but he comes to to my house and he says, "Oh, Miss Amy is not as fat as I thought." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's going to go a long way here in the states. All right, so, uh, but I'm I'm saying, you know, those are the things when you're in another culture, they do not have the same, you know, cultural boundaries that we do. They don't understand. Same thing with you go, you go, uh, your wife get runs up and hugs some guy from India. She's gonna, he's gonna be freaking out. Different cultures, right? And so, anyway, there's all these fun things. If you can't laugh a little, you're gonna have problems. So you got to be, got a little levity. Um, and, and risk your, your, your language and your culture in some ways so that you can be corrected and you can learn and all of those things. Also, when you do something wrong, it makes it a little bit easier for the other people to laugh with you too as they correct you. All right, and then um, solve your own problems, right, without calling someone else to help you. You've got to learn to, you're going to have to learn. You know, you're going to need to learn how to get out of some holes. Learn to be resourceful. You'll be surprised how much you can do on your own. I remember when uh, Harold was in Brazil um, I probably wasn't as firm as I should have been on a few things, like learning the language and all of that, and didn't have my, a good enough plan in place. But you learn as you go. Nonetheless, uh, we were working it together, and I'm like, "Hey, Harold, you got to get to college. You got to, you got to, you got to get, you got to go somewhere. You got to learn language. If you go to a foreign country, if you're being sent from Heartland, you better plan on learning the language, right? If you're going to go to a foreign land, because you're not going to be much use if you don't. 
And so, and so he, we're working this thing, but on his own, and by God's grace, I don't want to minimize, this was all of God, but because Harold was, was diligent and he was looking and he was taking that seriously, you know, God brought ABWE. They just had a window of time where they went to Porto Alegre and started a language school for their missionaries. Uh, we're not even really affiliated with those guys, but by God's grace, they let us in. And I'm like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the charismatic church, man. If they're teaching language, <laughs> you go there and learn the language. And, of course, that's what Harold did, and uh, they did a good job. And, and Harold learned uh, the language, and, uh, and so did his wife. And, uh, man, that was a blessing. Why did they do that? Because they were willing and able to figure out some problems on their own. There wasn't a whole lot I was going to be able to do from Cass County to help him, right? He's going to have to figure that out on his own. He actually did a lot of those things on his own. He had to figure out how to get cable television, to get internet, to get that, which was cable, which was the internet. And he had to figure out all of these things on his own uh, because when he landed there, not all of those things were readily available uh, with some of the people that he was working with. So, uh, and so you got to be able to solve some of those, your own problems. And um, depending on where you're going too, you may need to have some maintenance skills. You know, some, if you're not very handy, that could be a problem depending on where God's calling you being able to fix things, minor repairs and installation and the installations of things, how to use technology, you know, be versed on tools and technology and so on and so forth. If you're going to go and be part of a uh, of a farming ministry, right? Well, we're going to have to get you hooked up with the right people. If you need to learn seed technology, you need to learn seed technology, right? All those things are important so that you can accomplish the mission. All right, I got to keep moving. I'm almost done. And then <clears throat> balance um, biblical application. Balance biblical application. Learn to understand and apply doctrinal principles outside of the typical American context. Right. So the truth is unchanging, but the cultural application may vary. So don't get too rigid, as I've already mentioned. Don't don't compromise the truth, but learn to find balance in uh, biblical uh, application. Right. You got to be flexible. Once you go to another country, you're going to have to learn to do all of those things, um, and so learn how the, the, to apply the Word of God. Uh, and again, that's going to help with those intermediate trips and all those other things those that we talked about, short-term intermediate trips. All of that will start coming together. And once you get on the ground, it'll, uh, it'll uh, coalesce into some real wisdom. I'm taking a breath. All right, I'm going to get through this and then leave it open for Q&A. Study preaching and, and preachers. I think we all do this intuitively. Find out what you like, right? Why is it that you like it, though? What makes that guy so interesting? What is it? There's, and around here, you're going to get to see a bevy of preachers, not just in-house, but that come through. You know, and some guys, you, you watch a guy like Brian Clark, what makes him so intriguing, right? Well, that guy knows, he, number one, he's humorous. He knows how to tell a story, right? And, uh, and we're not all that way, right? Don't ask me to be that guy. But uh, be, and another thing you need to do is learn to be who you are in a pulpit. One of the most discouraging things I've ever seen as a pastor, a church planner, actually, who came back and started preaching just like one of our pastors. I mean, literally, even with the nasally thing. And I'm just like, man, bro, that's not who you are. Nothing more phony than that. And I, I remember watching this at a conference. I was just a baby young Christian wet behind the ears. I'm sitting at this conference. I knew the guy preaching, and I knew him. I mean, I'm like, dude, that ain't you. That's, I know who that is. He's sitting over here. <laughs> You're somebody, that's not who you are, man. Be who God saved you to be. And so don't, you don't have to be everybody else, but do pay attention. You can learn a lot by watching good preachers, and then watch me, and then you'll learn not what to do. So, okay, anyway, so, uh, but you can learn, you can learn uh, those things and begin to practice them 
uh, and, and teach and learn how to preach and do all of those things. And in addition to what you're learning in HBI and all those other things and your, your own ministry experiences. I will tell you, you can also... One of the bad things is I didn't get enough tutoring in this regard when I was preaching a lot. When I was coming up in the ministry, um, uh, I was preaching in a mission where I had... This was awesome because I had all this liberty. As I told you, I had liberty to... to pioneer. I had liberty to lead. I had liberty to galore, um, to structure, to, to do a lot of things. It was great. But man, I was preaching all the time, and I didn't realize until I got on the circuit, and then even more so once we started Heartland, that man, did I develop some bad habits in the pulpit. I mean, I started saying, I, was, I would say things to homeless guys. That I'm like in the pulpit, and I realize I'm like, oh, I can't say it like that. To, to mix company and a group of people, I didn't even realize how much liberty I had. So, you know, you do have to you have to work on your preaching all the time. You should always be a student of of your pulpit ministry. All right, moving on. Um, point ten: uh, become a word nerd. Right, word nerd. It, Joe, uh, I saw this uh, just the other day because uh, a lot of this 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 outline, uh, not the not the stories; those come from me. But this outline. Is a is a hybrid from uh, Jeff Bartell, so uh, kind of working some of his material here. But he uh, his uh, sister-in-law, uh, Jonita, Yonita, Yonita, not Jonita, Yonita Vogley, she uh, has a shirt. I saw on Facebook the other day, word nerd. So I saw that phrase. It's funny. So become a word nerd. Uh, learn to love the English language. Study grammar. Learn to diagram sentences. Which, uh, if you want to learn how to diagram sentences, I got resources for that. And uh, there's an awesome, also got an awesome web resource. This lady named Elizabeth does, uh, I forget the grammar, something or other. I always re- refer this to, to my, all of the HBI students. But uh, uh, there's, a neat, there's a lady who put together an awesome book down here in Raymore, an old lady who knows how to diagram sentences. She uses scripture. And so you, you can learn how to, you know, lay out the English language properly. Then this will help you learn foreign languages better and quicker. I'll tell you, one of the blessings, uh, like for someone like Harold Hatman, was he was an incredible, he was a gifted, uh, 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 he had a gifted use of grammar, both in English but also in another language. So his mind was like trained on grammar. So when he went to, he couldn't speak necessarily Portuguese as fluently as maybe he would have liked, but he could actually from very early on started writing it grammatically. You know, he was able to process it out and write it out in a proper form grammatically. So that's a blessing, because if you can write it out properly, then you can what? You can read it. So even if you're not like fluent on your feet, if you can write it out properly, then you can read it properly. And so you come off as though you're very, you might have a little bit of problems on a <laughs> conversational level, but man, that's, God's called you to preach the word. And if you can do that, praise God, you can read your notes and it's a lot of work, but he did that and uh, he was blessed. So uh, not everybody is given to that. Some people are better uh, you know, phonetically and just listening and hearing tonally and all of that. So whatever, however God gifts you. But if you're going to go uh, and be a missionary, you got to be a word nerd. Uh, etymology and all those things become important in understanding how to communicate. So don't be lazy and accurate. Uh, be exact in your communication. Care about precise communication. Uh, unfortunately, you did not come under, you didn't, if you're at Heartland, you're not coming up under uh, Jeff Adams. I came up under Jeff Adams, who was a missionary and bilingual very precise about every word that he said. Rarely did he make a mistake, does it? but he did occasionally. But he very precise. In English, in Spanish, why? Because people that are missionaries that speak other languages, 
are typically counting their words, right? Because they're, they're translating their thoughts. And, uh, and so it's important. All right, so I've got to be done. Time's up. So this stuff takes some time. And that's the main reason is that you want to know this is, number one, you may think, well, I was called, but I'm not now. I quit. No, I hope not. I hope that that's not you. This gives you some things, some framework to work with. When we talk about answering the call, we do mean to own the mission right here. We do mean to, to, uh, to be intentional about your gospel outreach. But we're also praying. I'm praying daily that God brings people up in our midst that are really like thinking about some of these things. And they're like willing to raise their hand and come and visit with me, come and visit with Pastor Randy, go visit their ABF pastor and say, hey, you know what? I think God needs to get me on this path and get me where I need to go. And we'll start working with you. It's not going to happen overnight anyway. So you need to start letting us develop you in this sense. And maybe you're like I was and you're like, I am not going to raise my hand. I am not going to verbalize this right now because I'm still making sure my wife is on board. Right. Well, then, hey, that's cool. But now you have a little bit of framework to work your own self through as you do ministry until you get to the place where you're ready to raise your hand because you feel like the day you raise your hand, God's going to evaporate your house, sell everything you got, fire you from your job, and send you around the world, which is how I used to feel. So I was real careful before I raised my hand. But when, however you're wired, praise God for it. Just make sure that you're going forward in faith and growing, and don't romanticize it because this stuff takes time, right? Uh, so if you had a romantic view of it, that's kind of cool to get you motivated, but also be sober, be practical, realize that we're going to war here. And uh, it requires dedication, similar to anything that a profession would be like. If you're going to pursue any vocational, professional, educational training, you're going to have to be diligent about it. Of course, even more so in the ministry. So be realistic about getting from wherever you are today, right, to wherever God is calling you and start to order your life in such a way that you can accomplish those things. So um, I got more, I got a lot more I could say about all this, but this is a one-night session, right? And all you need, and maybe maybe you don't care. But uh, before we end, was there anybody that had a burning question? Because I can come back next week uh, and answer any questions that we have. Any questions? Just, no? Okay, if you had any, just uh, write them down. If you're online and had some, uh, send them in or email this week, and uh, I will come back next week because uh, we're out of time tonight, but I will continue on in this and, and answer any questions anyone has. Everyone get their little blanks filled out? All right. Yes, ma'am. Tomorrow is National Day of Prayer. How did I not know that? So uh, make sure that you uh, remember that. Tomorrow is National Day of Prayer. And so uh, also the Roe v. Wade thing. Uh, it was leaked from the Supreme Court. Um, you know, praise God. We just need to make sure that we're, we're uh, getting people saved and getting, them, getting the gospel where it needs to go on time. And, uh, and then it wouldn't matter, no matter what the laws are on abortion, we'll just set people saved and, and they'll change their life regardless. And uh, that was happening anyway. Abortion is, has been going down consistently because God's people and because of the culture. Uh, and because of technology, everybody realized, not everybody, but many people realized, you know what? That's not moral. That's not right. And, uh, and so I'm glad, that the, I'm glad the laws are catching up with all of that and getting back where they need to be. Uh, a lot of battles to fight, though. The gospel battle is the primary one, uh, and that's what wins the war. All right, so let's go ahead and pray because we're out of time. And again, if you have any questions, let me know. I'll write them down, and I'll get them next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity.